This podcast discusses topics of violence, such as rape, murder, and child abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Bad Egg Podcast. I have a guest with us today. Hello. Hi. Um, hi. Hey, are you okay? Uh, yeah, so I uh, got COVID. Um, I'm Lucas, by the way. I'm Bridget's wife, husband. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly I COVID. Um, so I apologize if I sound rough, um, nasally, if I cough, I sound gross um he had a really rough week yeah so no one feels more gross about me than you could the listener so just know that i'm right there with you i also hate me so um that's it so let's go well i hope that i make you feel more gross today with the story i have to tell oh i'm sure i'm gonna feel like i need to take a shower after this anyways so the story we have today actually takes place in a few different places in South Africa. Hmm. Uh, We've got one that happens in Durban, which is again a coastal city on the east coast of South Africa. And we have a murder on the west coast as well and up in the Drakensberg. So I'll be posting on the Instagram pictures of the Drakensberg. It is beautiful. What is it? It's a mountain range in South Africa. I'm actually going to quickly Google it, but I'm pretty sure it's it's either one of the tallest mountain ranges or one of the longest mountain ranges in the world. Uh, in the world? Uh, just not the continent? I've never heard of it. So the Drakensberg is the eastern portion of the Great Escarpment, which encloses the central southern African plateau. The Great Escarpment reaches its greatest elevation 2,000 to 3,482 meters. So times that by three. 3.3. Yeah, so it's almost 10,000 10, miles within the Borden region of Southern Africa and Lesotho. Oh, wow. So it is... Big. It's huge. And it's probably one of the most... Be- if you ever go to South Africa, I would highly recommend you go to the Drakensberg. It's beautiful. Mm. So... That is actually where we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to take a quick drink of something, so just give me a minute. She's not being an alcoholic. I handed her an energy drink, and uh, we're sharing it. (laughs) Sorry about that. I also got sick, and we've had a rough day. We're sharing it. We are. So today we're going to start. We have a 16-year-old David Semmel. 16-year-old? Yeah. Is is this victim or... Plain or the one of the people. Victim. Okay. So we have a 16-year-old David Semmel who is standing on a roadside in Durban. A car stops and he gets in. It was the worst mistake of his life. One man is young, attractive, and well-built, and the other is big, bald, and macho. They drive towards the Drakensberg and find a place to camp. Uh, uh, why did he did he did they offer him something is he gay so (laughs) you're getting ahead but in a good way so the story we're telling is this is just the start of 
these two guys who go on a, a murderous spree around the country. And they picked up young David Semmel. I don't think he, David Semmel, again, this is one of those stories where we don't have a lot about the victims, but his, he wasn't obviously wanting to go camping. He got picked up. I'm pretty sure that they offered him a ride somewhere and very similar to the Alison Boerter story, tricked him and they landed up in the Drakensberg where they were camping. Mm. While this happens, the younger man, this is a trigger warning, sodomizes the young boy. The bald one takes his turn next. And when it's over, they strangle David Semmel. The two men get hungry. They slice some meat of the dead boy's buttocks and have a bribe. And that's where our story starts. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. They literally eat his ass. Yeah, in a casual way. Like, remember, I think I, I expressed this in episode two Jesus. of The Bad Egg was a bry or something. As you can tell, people do everywhere. It's very common. And these two men did an absolutely outrageous deed and then just get hungry and casually decide to have a bry and use their victim as they, their meal. I have so many questions. Good. Okay. Okay. This is the intro. This is the intro. Okay. This is... <laughs> I'm trying to get everyone on the cliffhanger. So no, it's it's just... definitely. Okay. So it's 1991. It's a Saturday at the Brixton Murder and Robbery Units in Johannesburg. Two men, Pete Bailefelt and another detective whose name I don't have, are having a bribe. Pete. We're back to yeah, Pete. We Pete's Pete. making up an appearance again. Yeah, nice. For everyone who knows, this was actually Pete's first serial killer investigation, and this is the case that launched his career in this trajectory. And he is no longer alive, right? No, unfortunately. Oh, that not. sucks. I really wanted to. My dad knew Sorry him. I simple. really wanted to meet him. Mm. So Pete and another <clears throat> detective are casually having a bra, eating actual lamb chops, having a lion lager with a nine millimeter at the hip. Saturday was the cleaning and inspection days in the cells at the Brixton and robbery, Brixton murder and robbery unit that always makes it a tongue twister. And Pete today was on standby. The phone rings and there's a waiter on the other line at the Boxburg Hotel. Now, Johannesburg and Boxburg could be brother and sister cities there. To me, they're one and the same, maybe 20 minutes from each other. Mm. And a waiter calls from the Boxburg Hotel saying that there are two men sitting at the bar discussing a murder. He says that just casually, just casually. And he says, it doesn't sound like it's one of those having a drink, discussing something that's in the news. He said something about this discussion just didn't sit right with him. It seemed too personal mm. and he decided to call it in. Snitch. So Pete... Sorry. <laughs> Be careful what you say of bars, people. Mm. Be careful. Yeah, don't talk up. Well, maybe do talk about murder out loud, so that way you do get caught. Yeah, right. we want to catch. We want them to be caught. Well, yeah. If if this particular waiter hadn't have made this call, mm -hmm. I highly doubt these two would have been caught as quickly as they were. Okay. So, Pete obviously 
gets excited and heads right on over to the Boxburg Hotel. And while he's in the car driving, he recalls an American student called Edward Palmutter. I think that's how you say that surname. I don't know if it's Palmutter or Perlmutter. Hang on. Edward. Uh, yeah, I guess it's Perlmutter. Perlmutter, who is 24 years old, who had disappeared on the Otaniqua hiking trail near George in October of 1991. This is the 16-year-old? No, this is a 24-year-old. This is a different victim mm. who had gone missing. So one part I left out accidentally was the two men who were talking about a murder were talking about a murder that happened in Neisner. This particular hiking trail is very close to Neisner. It's in George, mm -hmm. and it kind of... It, it travels almost through, not through it, but it it travels close by to it. Okay, so has a 16-year-old already happened when they're talking about this one? Yes. Okay, so, okay, that's all I needed to know. So by introducing this, we clearly see that there's potentially two victims yeah. already. Okay. So Pete remembers about the American student, Edward Perlmutter, who was 24 at the time, who had disappeared on an Otaniqua hiking trail near George, in October of 1991. Do you know what, like, why he was there? I actually did some research on him, and I couldn't find why he was there. Did they find his um, gluteus maximus intact? His butt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> they did. Well, it's not well, just it's not just his butt. Like, it's it sounds like what they did to that 16 year old was like ate the muscle of his butt, which would be the gluteus maximus. The rump, pretty much, right? Uh, he, I. I'm assuming so. I I'm not a butcher. I don't know what a rump part is. I think, or that, I get confused on that stuff, but um, I'm assuming that's what it is. Probably. But remember, in this story now with the American student, he disappeared. At this point, they don't actually have what happened to him. Okay, so what was This is one of those open dockets where they have no idea what's happened to him. Oh, called, a, called a cold case here. Pretty or, much, yeah, yeah. An open case. Yeah, an okay. well, yeah, it's an open case. So he just disappeared on this trail. He went hiking and he never returned in October of 1991. When did the 16-year-old happen? In 1991. Okay. Same but, year. Okay. So all of, the, all of this is in the same year. Okay. Edward had made international headlines and Pete had been following this case because obviously it's someone who's gone missing. They've, yeah, got some notoriety. And it's something that always bugged him. He always hated when he saw an open docket with no end mm. you know, he he wanted to solve this so while he's on his way to the bar and these two gentlemen are apparently talking about a murder that happened in neisner he can't help but wonder if there's a connection between these two men and the missing um, american student he just has this nagging suspicion okay so as pete arrives at the bar we've got 17 year old juan havenha and 30-year-old Tony Vessels are sitting at the bar. Juan Havenhoff? Havenhoff, yeah. Okay. You want to spell that? His first name is J-U-A-N. J-U-A-N. Yeah. Juan. Juan, yeah. Yeah. Ha, and remember, we've got the ha to everything. And it's like and a... Is it, a is it a G? Isn't, isn't a G in Afrikaans? Me, the ch, yeah, but uh, that's in the surname. It's H-A-V-E-N-G-A. Havenhoff. Okay. Who's 17 and Tony Vessels, who's 30. Now they're still at the bar, mm -hmm. clearly inebriated. 
without even skipping a beat, Pete immediately arrests him, which I found was quite funny because a lot of the cases I follow here in the States, you need to have a reason yeah, a probable to just cause. arrest someone. Yeah. You can't just go in. That's right, probable cause. So like in South Africa, you can just arrest? Not anymore. The laws have changed. But I think in this particular instance, he was worried that if he if he started asking questions, that they would they would leave. Okay, so, so what, what did, did, did Pete have a reason? Well, what he did after he arrested them is he went and he searched their car and he found knives, an axe, and a revolver. And I'm assuming this revolver wasn't registered, so it gave him a reason to arrest them. It's all sound like Monopoly pieces too, by the way, but it's anyways, bad joke. Anyways, so <laughs> he has suspicion, arrest them. Um, I'm assuming he probably just puts him in his car. Yes. And then searches their shit. Yes. And then he takes them downtown. Yes. Okay. So if he had not found anything, he probably would have let them go. I think he would have had to because... Yeah, he wouldn't have... He didn't have anything. No. It's it's very different with the laws in 1991. <clears throat> Remember, Sorry. 1991 was also before... It was when apartheid was just ending. So a lot of the laws were still in the midst of change. Mm -hmm. So I'm not 100% sure. I, it wasn't much I could find what the laws were on just arresting people. Well, yeah, it was also calls. yeah, it was also a confusing time. Yeah, transitional we were going time. through a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I think the fact that he found the revolver was just a a, a really um, if it, it was relief, you know. He's like, okay, at least I have something I can bring them in on. No, I know I'm asking one South African about um, a lot of South Africans. Mm -hmm. But it, are, are firearms common? Like do a lot of – now I'm not just talking about I'm, the whole country. I'm like I'm assuming these are white gentlemen, right? Yes. Okay. Amongst the white South Africans, is it common to have firearms? Yes. Okay. It is common. The laws are a bit different than in the States. We have – it takes almost nine months to a year to actually obtain a firearm license. But again, this was – this is a newer law mm -hmm. in 1991. I'm assuming it wasn't that difficult to obtain a firearm. Well, can you get the firearm before the license? No. You're sure? Yes. Even illegally? I mean, illegally, yes. Which okay. is, I think, one of the reasons he felt he could arrest them because he needed to investigate this revolver. He felt like they had a firearm and probably not a license. Yes. Gotcha. Especially because one's a 17-year-old. That's right. too young. That's why I was asking. Yeah, that's yeah. way too young to own a, a gun in South Africa. So when they arrived at the Boxburg police station, Vessels, the older of the gentlemen, became exceptionally upset and actually started to, he was threatening a lot of the police officers and Pete, saying he was going to kill him. And one of the reasons I love Pete is he, his response was, I'd love to see you try. Yeesh. Which obviously... I rated Tony Vessels a little bit more. But Pete, being the investigator he was, decided to let him sit in his anger. And he decided to question Havenha first. Juan. Juan Havenha. The 17 year old. Yes. Okay. He had a suspicion after talking with him for a bit that Ooh. he was gay. Ooh, quick question. Mm. Could he have arrested them? Sorry, could he have arrested them? Purely on the fact that guy's 17 and drinking? Could that also have been something? Yeah, he could have. Because, I mean... I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yes. I mean, there's a seems to be quite a bit there. I mean, on site, 
if he were to ask how old you are, and he says 17, he sees he's inebriated, he could arrest him, but I don't think he'd be that stupid. But he could have asked him, how old are you? He's drunk. And maybe he's like, yeah, maybe that guy's younger than 18. I mean, I think that the what Americans would see as probable cause was probably there on site. It's just hard. You guys just have a different process. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just, it so, is. So different. that was just another thought that's popped in my head. Kind I of remember going back. drinking for us is legal at 18. Right. But if he's 17. Yeah, you're still illegal. Do you have IDs? We do. Before you're 18? No. So if he doesn't have an ID. No, but here's, so just uh, here's where the law changes a little bit. If I'm at a bar and I'm with my mom mm -hmm. and my mom says it's okay for me to drink an alcoholic beverage, even though I'm underage, that's legal. So, oh wow, and to no one age? asks for like I was at a I used to go out to dinner with my mom and have a glass of wine at 16. The fuck? So, when it comes to that, I assume at a bar, thanks mom for nothing. <laughs> if it's at a bar with a 17 year old and a 30 year old, that was for my mom. I, I don't think there would have been a lot of questioning from the bar, the bar guy, the, the waiter, as he probably assumed there was, that was a 30 year old his, with him looking after him. Uncle, or well, so it doesn't have to be your immediately, like your it should be, but no one ever is gonna <clears throat> who, who's gonna sit there and be like, Hey, can I see a birth certificate? Prove that you're the mother, as long as there is a guardian of legal age around. Yeah, I get it. Some places don't allow it, but normally, like. Not, yeah, normally, if you're at a bar with someone who's of the age to drink, mm -hmm. and except if it's a club, if it's a club or anything, it's normally restaurants. If it's a club, you need to have your ID. So also, too, just like, I mean, I've worked in bars before. Mm. If I see a 30, someone that looks like 30 and someone that looks 17 come into the bar together, mm. that's, and they're two men, that's... I mean, it's not going to like necessarily raise red flags, but that's a significant age disparity. Not to where like you're going to think this guy is this guy's dad. Mm -hmm. It's not enough no. time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would definitely think like, okay, so maybe little brother. You maybe, know what I mean? Something like that. Regardless, there yeah. was there was a lot of we at least had the underage drinking and the fact there was a revolver in the car, which led to some calls for Pete to arrest them on the spot. Right. So Pete starts interrogating him and it doesn't take long for Havanha to burst into tears. Jesus. And pretty much yeah. admits. So Pete was really clever in the way he handled the investigation. Instead of coming in and, and asking like, oh, I have a suspicion that you did something. He came in and said, look, you guys are talking about a murder and I know what you did. I have the proof. I know what you did. It is probably just better for you to come clean. And this is when Harbinger started crying and just admitted right out. Terrible, terrible poker face on one. <laughs> terrible poker face. Yeah, he just, he gave in. Um, so what they had done is they were also on, on the Otaniqua hiking trail on the day that Edward was there. And they had been waiting for someone, not necessarily Edward, but they had been waiting on the path and Edward had came around. It's really sad in the book. They say that he was singing, he was having oh. just a, a beautiful stroll. And I mean, the nature in Africa is beautiful. So I can imagine he's just in a beautiful, tranquil place when Juan and Tony ambushed him on the path. 
trigger warning. They overpowered him, tied his hands, slit his throat from ear to ear as they sat on him until his body stopped twitching. They said that the plan was just to rob him and it just escalated within seconds of them killing him, which to me, to me doesn't, I feel like they were just saying the plan was to rob. So they wasn't showing any intent because I think if you're just planning on robbing someone, mm-hmm. like why would you just immediately go to, go to slitting their throat? Did he admit to any cannibalism on this one? No. So he says excuse, that they never, <coughs> Yeah. he says that they never raped him and they didn't eat him. The whole plan was to rob, but it escalated. They murdered him, robbed him, and just left him. So it was at this point that Pete decided he was going to leave Havanha in the room and go and question vessels. And yeah, sorry. I always get a little (laughs) overwhelmed with these because, yeah, it's just, I never understand them which is one of the reasons we speak about this because I always think it's important for us to know as time goes on, probably never to walk alone on a hiking trail. Wait, you don't understand the motives of the killers or you don't understand like how this happened or. No, I just don't understand what, how people can ever go through with it. It's just what, one of those. The killers. Yeah. Anyways. So a backstory quickly on Juan and Tony vessels was they had met at a gay bar. Great. They had become lovers and they had cooked up money making schemes with an added sexual benefit to them. So their whole idea would be to entice other men with some sexual hookups uh-huh. and then rob them. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So that was their MO. And they used to travel around the country in this filthy car, camping out wherever they could and targeting homosexuals, especially during the 90s. It, we had a lot of very progressive laws, but, you know, homosexuality amongst the Afrikaans community in was the 90s. Upon. Yeah. In the 90s, you had progressive laws. More progressive than here, at least. Like you guys were more open to. Yeah, let me actually, I'm going to look up something quickly. I'm pretty sure, when did our laws? What do you mean, like gay marriage, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think. Um, Just give me a minute. So. This is why we need a producer. (laughs) I can't edit this out. So in 2006 was when South Africa was legalizing gay marriage. And even though this was a few years before, it wasn't as frowned upon. It's almost a decade before. Yeah, but it wasn't as frowned upon in certain communities. But in the Afrikaans community, it still wasn't. It still wasn't accepted. Okay. So they decided to target homosexuals because it was a more vulnerable um victim audience if i can say that okay okay so pete is now questioning tony vessels and he can tell that tony is starting to get very stressed he says that it happens all the time in interviews once they get really stressed 
there's this stench that starts coming off the perpetrators. Like cortisol. Yeah. It's and like this stress. Huge body odor. And he could tell by sitting with Tony that the, oh, wow. the body odor was getting really bad. Just even the fact that you know that is kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like as a detective, you're yeah, like, like, yeah, oh, when they start to stink, I know I got something. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That's what he says. So he tells Tony Vessel straight up, he's like, I know what you guys did. Mm. I know all about Edward. And Tony starts getting frustrated. And all Pete has to say, this wasn't the first time, was it? You've killed before. And this opened a whole can of worms. So one of their first victims was the gentleman we spoke about in the beginning, about 16-year-old David Semmel. The guy that they ate a little bit of. Yes. This is the only case where we actually have any proof of them eating somebody. But I also don't believe it would have stopped there. You know, I, I think if they had have had the opportunity again, mm -hmm. it would have, you know, so we had David Semmel, who was 16 years old. Edward Perlmutter. I'm sorry if I say that wrong. If everyone knows how to pronounce that. Surname, Pearl, let me know. Well, if, if I was you, I would say Perlmutter. Perlmutter. But I would say Perlmutter. Perlmutter. Yeah, because we pronounce the, the TTs yeah. as D and we always pronounce our yes. R's. So Edward happened in October. And then in November... They murdered and left Jacob Pietrus Hubert, who was 47, in oh, a wow. bathtub covered in blood. Wait, so they did what to him again? They, with Jacob Pietrus Hubert, what they had done was, he was a 47-year-old uh, retired officer. Mm. They Police had, officer? Um, uh, army officer. Okay. They had gone to his place, engaged in sexual activities, and then they strangled him and left him in the bathtub full of blood. It doesn't say exactly what they did for the blood to be there, but I'm assuming by the other people that they've cut up that some knife play had, had taken place. Mm. After... Tony Vessels and Juan Havanagh had admitted to the murder of David Semmel. Pete, in disgust, asked, what did it feel like to eat a person after sodomizing them? Yeah, that's a... It's a tough question, and I wonder what made him think of that, but I think his idea was to try create a reaction. It sounds emotional. Yeah, he, but he reacted emotionally. It, I mean, I, if my high school guidance counselor ever asked me that, I feel like I would, you know... Fuck. Would, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's a hard question to answer. So that's... So let me ask you. You're, you're normal. That's yeah. a hard question to answer. Tony responded, emotionless. It's just meat. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's someone that's completely gone. Yeah. Just... Just... It's just meat. Oh, like, I was hungry. I it can, was just I can, meat. I can kind of see this. Like, Pete's a little amped up. Yeah. And he's trying to get something out of this guy, and he's just stone cold. Like, well, it was just meat. So he even says there, he said it was just so, you could just tell that there was no remorse. If anything, the pair, the pair um, seemed proud 
of what they had done. Yeah, I've eaten a human ass. Yeah, it was just meat. Like it was nothing. So they did actually have one survivor called Clive Newman from Port Elizabeth. Where is that? That is also a coastal city, and that is the town that Alison Butter from my previous episode, Mm -hmm. which I found as I uh, carry on going through the survivor, Mm-hmm. He was left for dead. His throat was also slit from ear to ear, just like Allison's. Does Pete have jurisdiction over the whole country? Yeah, because at this point, I think they had the Brixton murder and robber murder and robbery unit. Mm-hmm. But he was fast becoming the detective. So even though we had a few, we obviously have a lot of police stations. I think he just started getting called in as a special. So he's like a super cop. Yeah. They should make a Scotland movie about this Yard guy. Scotland Yard actually called him in because they had a, I don't know the name of him. Maybe we'll cover it in another episode. Mm. But Scotland Yard actually called Pete Bailefeld in for, to help them assist with a murder that they couldn't catch. It's impressive. We'll, dis- we'll discuss a lot of his cases because they're very interesting. You know, I had an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a live idea, by the way. Okay. I think you should do an episode, maybe a few-part episode on just Pete alone. I will totally do that. I have the book that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of very interesting details about him. So I'll definitely make a, Sick. a little documentary on Pete Bailey. Little Pete pod. <laughs> little Petey pod. So Clive Newman from PE was left for dead. Um, his throat was slit from ear to ear, which I found kind of eerily creepy, considering it was also in Port Elizabeth. Eerily? Huh? Slit to ear to ear. Get I it? Get it. <laughs> with, with Allison. He recovered and actually testified against Juan and Tony. Jesus. But in a sick twist of fate, was later murdered in 2009. No way. Yeah. How? It doesn't say. Um, I'll, I would like to do a little bit more research into that, but I think it was probably just a murder gone wrong because there wasn't a lot of details on it. Wow. Or maybe like a crime of passion or something? Yeah, or robbery. Jesus. Back home. Poor guy. I know. He survives one, testifies against <sighs> his perpetrators, and then in 2009, unfortunately, And this was 1991 where he's testifying? Yes. So he had another, like, 19 years or 18 yeah. years. Wow. And he was an Anglican priest. So he... He's a priest? Yeah. Wow. Very sad. At least he got to... Go to heaven? His, well, his testimony against... I got it. <laughs> I was mid-sentence. Sorry. His testimony did put Juan and Tony away because he was the only survivor. I mean, they had a confession, though. Didn't they say they ate ass and stuff? And like They did, but I think as, uh, sorry. as any detective is going to be there, if you have... So what was... what really helped this case was the pair actually also took the police to excuse me all of their murder sites and they actually the bodies were still there so they were able to collect the bodies of, uh, as evidence um, and use all of this so they had a a confession they had the bodies they had the confessions matched up to what the what um they were there's the they said the was his name clive Clive Newman, yes. He was the survivor? Yes. So Clive Newman was like the nail in the coffin. But they much. had enough to put him away, but he was the one that made it like, these are these fucking guys. Yeah, because remember, victim impact statements uh, can Powerful. carry, they, they carry a lot. If someone can ex- describe what they went through, it, it just paints 
it paints a picture as to what these two were really capable of. Okay, quick question. Mm. Is do you guys have a similar jury system? No. We don't have a jury. We're this is a judge. judge. Is it a, just one judge or a few judges or one just... judge? Oh wow. One judge decides what go, what what the outcome will be. Death penalties? Yes. Okay. So um after the pair had showed the police all their murder sites, they had successfully collected and were able to close the case on Edward Palmer and David Semmel and Jacob Pietrus Hubert. And then they also had Clive Newman as their witness. Vessels was actually put, uh, was given the death, the death sentence. But a few years later, we had a reform in South Africa where the death penalty was no longer accepted. So what his, was what was the method? Firing squad, lethal injection, electrocution. It was not firing squad. I think it was lethal injection or electrocution. You guys didn't have a firing squad? No, I don't believe we did. Oh wow! I just know that in America, mm -hmm. the mixture to make lethal injection and the mixture to make the gas chamber, mm. all those things are very expensive. So. Those might have, I, I, I assume, given this is the 90s and in South Africa, and this is a big assumption, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I know you guys had money or whatever, but I figured, you know, it's a poorer country. Maybe they had a, you know, thriftier way of getting rid of criminals that, you know, um, were given the death sentence. Hanging. Hanging. So you go. There you go. And it's reusable. You can use that rope again and again and again. Yeah. So hanging was maintained as their preferred method, as in most post-independence cases of criminal following South Africa's independent as a republic in 1961. That's, I'm sure that's rough to watch, too. Um, yeah. So the primary mean, it all, oh, that's the U.S. Yeah. So for us, it was hanging. Okay. So the 30-year-old got the death penalty, but then got it. Ex uh, exoner not exonerated, but he got it taken away. Yeah, because in 1994, when Nelson Mandela became president, the constitution was rewritten and they took away the death penalty. Okay, so what happened to the 17-year-old? Because he was a minor, he got 25 years in, in jail. He's out. Yeah. He's out right now. Mm -hmm. Having tasted human butt. I think, yeah, well, he was a minor at the time. Um, I personally think he should have been tried as, tried as an adult because Pete even said that he feels from the interactions that he had between Tony and Juan that Juan was the instigator. Not to make light of it, Juan was the instigator yeah. of the eating. No, just of of the murder and all everything. that stuff. So like, he, he was the to evil be the more one. aggressive one. Okay, so just to be a fly on the wall. Sorry, I mm -hmm. keep touching the table as I I'm, I'm expressive with hands. Mm -hmm. I I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that decision making. When they're, they got a dead guy, mm -hmm. they've sodomized them. I mean, for obvious, I mean, not obvious reasons. I mean, that sounds terrible, but like they're, they're, they're gay guys and they wanted something quick and easy and they got it that way or whatever that I'm, I'm not, whatever, but like just the selection of how I'm going to eat this part of a person. Why? Like, why do you choose the butt? You know what I mean? If I was, I'm, and I'm. Not saying I have any kind of moral superiority here or not, because of whatever. But like, if someone's like, you have to eat that dead person, you have to eat a part of that dead person over there. I don't think I would choose a butt. It's disgusting. 
No, I get that. I think it's probably just the easiest. If you have no experience. In, just cut his butt off. Just, it's right there. It is if you, it's going to sound so, so awful. But if you do, it is the media part on certain people. I think it's just one of the easier places. I think I go after like a, like, like a leg, you know, maybe a toe, you know, just to get a, get a taste. That's burning. Yeah, I know, but like a butt is committing. Like you're getting into, you know what I mean? Like you're you're gonna you're gonna hit some stuff. You're gonna have to like get into some. I don't. I'm getting nauseous just thinking about. Well, I'm sorry about that. I was just okay. saying. Just I would like to have been a fly on the wall mm-hmm. to see how they decided to do that. Ugh. And it could have also been. I mean, I'm not trying to make this more gross than it needs to be, but because they sodomized this guy, that could have had something to do with the selection of. You know what I mean? Like. I, I picked that up as well, and I think that's probably one of the reasons Pete asked that particular question. You know, I, there's definitely a link between. How does it feel to sodomize and then eat that particular, particular thing? Organ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not an organ. That's a that's a I muscle. Know, I made a mistake. No, it's fine. I wasn't going for that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, that's the story of Juan Chavanja and Tony Vessels. The. Okay. Killer duo who, if they hadn't have been stopped by this one waiter just listening in on one conversation, probably because it could have caused way more havoc among South Africa. Havoc. Um. So Juan is out. Yeah. David. David Simon was the victim. Tony Vessels. Tony Vessels. Sorry. So Juan is out. Mm-hmm. Tony is still in yes so after the death penalty was revoked he suffered life imprisonment why didn't uh juan get life because he was a minor at the time by a year i know the sentence does it does impact how many years you get put in jail so with your research though has there's been any notion or mention of like what he's doing now no it's actually very hard one thing i really do battle with my research and when it comes to South African cases is it's it's really hard to find news articles or any form of um, media not just media but uh, like official documents when it comes to what these particular people are are doing now even when it came to the Allison the Allison case both of her uh, both of her perpetrators were put up for parole in 2020 and even though they were denied just just getting just being able to research what the outcome was was exceptionally hard and it's two years ago so I I do like I love talking about these cases because I think it's very important but I won't lie the research behind it can be really difficult like I tried to research even though I made international headlines I tried to do a bit of research on Edward Perlmutter. Perlmutter, but because it was so long ago, it it was definitely a lot harder to find. Hmm. So everyone who came up seemed to be a senator, and I was like, it's not them. <laughs> well, also, too, like you're not in South Africa, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine that, um, you know, pre-internet cases, you know, um, if you're in South Africa, you might be able to find uh, – breadcrumb trail yeah i could More. probably have gone to a library and been able to pick up older yeah. documents but 
it is it is harder online to find uh, yeah. news articles. But you're an American now, baby. Yeah, but I do follow News Twenty Four, which does give with all of the most recent cases. It is a good a good uh, form of media coverage. Cool. On News Twenty Four. So, well, that one wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. It granted, um, getting someone's butt eaten, and um, I know that in the common era we live, the kids are eating ass all day, every day, but it's oh in a gosh. different way. So um, it's a really cool way to have offered a double entendre. Um, oh, thanks, Bridget. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yep. So yeah, that was the story of Pete Bailafold's first official serial killer case, which mm. put his trajectory into specializing in serial killers. And we will talk a few bit more about his cases and I will have a bonus episode coming out about just a little bit more information on Alison Boerter's, um, the, the two guys who hurt her. I forgot their names for a second. You're gonna do a bonus episode on this? Yeah. Wow, cool. Cool, cool. So, yeah. I'll try to be better by the next episode, hopefully, and not sound so nasally and gross. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Don't be a bad egg. Oh, nice. Yeah. So is that a tagline now? I, I'm guessing so. I just kind of... Oh, you know be a, if you could sizzle an egg and record it? Okay. You know <laughs> I mean? yeah, look at it. Thank Don't you, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.